0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Talking about the mighty name of Jesus this morning. Do you know there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved? Yes. Do you realize that there's only one person, praise God, who is worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof? And what's his name? Jesus. Jesus, there is no other, praise God. It's only Jesus and it's only his name. And so we thank God for the mighty name of Jesus. I'm sure you've heard of the minister Charles Spurgeon. The majority of us, I'm sure, have heard that name before. Well, A noted Baptist. He was an English Baptist minister. But also he was a very charitable individual. Uh, He built alms houses for the elderly. And he actually loved to go there and visit with them at times. And just sit and talk with them. And on one occasion as he was at one of the cottages. uh, He saw on the wall of that cottage. A framed piece of paper that was signed by someone. He asked the lady what's that about. And she said well. She used to care for an elderly man, and as he was dying, he just signed this piece of paper and gave it to me, and it reminds me of him, so I had it framed and put it up on the wall here in my little cottage. He said, well, do you mind if I get it examined? And she said, oh, no, go ahead. So he takes it to a bank nearby and has, has him exam- examine it, and only to discover that This man that she cared for left her a lot of money. She didn't know about it, but left her a lot of money. And that's what that note represented. She's living in poverty, but yet she's worth a lot. He gave her enough, really, to care for her for the rest of her life and live a good quality of life for the rest of her life. She didn't know that. But she's got this document on her wall that authorizes her to be well off... But she's starving and living in poverty. Do you know the same thing can be true spiritually speaking? If we don't know what belongs to us in Christ, we have the documentation that authorizes us to live a high quality of life in Christ Jesus. But if we don't know it, then just like this woman, we find ourselves not experiencing what belongs to us. And I'll show you what I mean. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, the early church the disciples had a revelation of the power and might of the name of Jesus that the church of today really lacks. But let's read these verses first and we'll comment. Peter and John went up together into the temple about the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man laying from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to enter into the temple, asked an alms. Peter, fastening his eyes on upon him, when John said, look on us. And he gave, they, he gave heed unto them, to ex- expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I left my bank card at home. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name, in the name in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He didn't have his bank card checkbook. He didn't have a credit card. But he said, What I have, I want to give you. Well, what did you have, Peter? What do you have to give? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and he entered the temple walking and leaping and praising God. And when the people who knew him saw him walking and leaping and praising God, they thought, these two men are some kind of saints. These two men are some kind of prophets. Peter said, don't look on us as if we're so holy, so righteous, so godly that this happened. Isn't that sad that even in today's generation, people look at those early followers of Jesus and they exalt him to a place of sainthood, like, you know, you're a saint. We're all saints. You're either a saint or an ain't. That's, that's the bottom line. If you're saved, you're a saint. If you're not saved, you're an ain't. You're ain't you ain't saved yet. All you got to do to be a saint is to get saved. You get saved, you're a saint. Can, can you see that? Isn't that good to know? Yeah. Nothing on your part other than to accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, Peter said, look, it's not what, who we are. It's not that we're so wonderful, so holy. No, his name, through faith in his name, yes. has given this man this perfect soundness in the presence of you all, the faith which is by him. Think about it. Hallelujah. By him has given the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. That's how he's walking today. Wow. What a revelation of the power of the name of Jesus that they possessed, that they walked in. We can have it written here in the pages of this book. But if we don't have it here on the table of our heart, you see, then it's not going to affect us like it should. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we don't hear it being taught, then we're not going to have the kind of faith in the name of Jesus that we ought to have. Now, go on down to verse uh, chapter uh, 4. To show you that back then there was an attempt of the devil to silence teaching on the power of the name of Jesus, he did some things, stirred up some people. Let's read here in chapter 4, verses 5, beginning with 5 to 12. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribe, and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and as many as were with the kindred of the high priest, look at this group, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had sent them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Wow. Wow. Imagine, these are the rulers that really felt that because Judaism was recognized as a religion by the Roman government, they would regulate religious activities there among the people. And so when they brought them into question in that crowd there, as you can see, the high priest and all the other ones around them and all that, it's very intimidating. And they tried to intimidate them and make them think that Christianity is not a bona fide religion. But Judaism is. So we regulate religious activity here on the earth, not you. So by what power, by what authority, by what name have you done this? And he said, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, you rulers of the people, you elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all. And to all the people of Israel... That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead, even by him, does this man stand here before you Hold! This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This man was healed and he calls him Saved. The word saved there actually means healed, delivered, set free, preserved, made whole. That's what it means. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby one must be saved. And what's that name? Notice the boldness of Peter. He's among the people that wanted to kill him before, but now all of a sudden filled with the Holy Ghost, he boldly proclaims it and declares it. Why? He saw him alive from the dead. He saw him resurrected from the dead. And he says, by his name, by his name. Well, let's see what happens then. Go on down to verse 13 and look at right on through 18. This is from the Amplified Bible. Now, when they saw the boldness and unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the school's common men with no education or oh, advantages, they marveled. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, I love that. Who were they with? Who were they with? Jesus it pays to be with Jesus and since they saw the man who had been cured standing there beside them they could not contradict the fact or say anything in opposition but having ordered the prisoners to go aside out of the council chamber they conferred or debated among themselves saying what are we to do with these men for that an extraordinary miracle has been performed by through them is plain to all the residents of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Wow. Can you imagine that position a religious leader would take? This guy never walked. This guy's completely healed. All the people saw it. All the people know it. And what do they want to do? Well, they're inspired by the devil, you know. Look at what they want to do. Look at the next part. But in order that it, may, that it may not spread further among the people in the nation, let us warn and forbid them with a stern threat to speak any more to anyone in this name or about this person. So they summoned them and imperatively instructed them not to converse in any way or teach at all in or about the name of Jesus. Can you see the attack? What's the attack on? The name of Jesus. Don't you teach in that name or about that name? In other words, silence it, snuff it out. You see, I believe that the early church had this revelation because they saw those signs, the wonders, the miracles that took place when the name of Jesus was used. And we can see much more as you read the Gospels. But the devil attacked this teaching. Teach all you want about other things, but don't talk about the power and the might of the name of Jesus. So we got to silence this. This early church had this revelation. Look at Acts chapter 8. Now, this is a man named Philip. This is not the, the disciples, the apostles, the 11, and then Paul being added, or Matthew. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Now, remember, Samaria, they hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews, right? So he goes down there. He preached Christ to them. And all the people with one accord gave heed unto the things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because of that long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed, hmm, Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and The name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. What did Philip preach? The gospel and the name of Jesus. And what happened there at Samaria? They brought unto him many that were sick, many that were lame. He cast out the spirits, the lame were healed they saw miracles take place, signs take place, wonders take place as he proclaimed the gospel and proclaimed the name of Jesus and the power and the might of that name. So Philip had a revelation of the power of the name of Jesus. And he proclaimed it. And we see all these miracles. Why is it then that the early church had a greater appreciation for and faith in this power of the name of Jesus? Well, the simple answer is this. Because the devil finally succeeded in doing his job. His job was to silence any teaching on the power of the name of Jesus. Don't let preachers preach from their pulpits about the power of the name of Jesus. Stop it. Preach the sovereignty of God. Whatever God wills will be done. But don't teach and don't preach about the power and authority of the name of Jesus. Silence it. Well... Look at Mark's gospel, chapter 16. You know how she had that little note on the wall? And that note entitled her, authorized her to experience all the blessings of the money that afforded to her, given to her by this man that left this to her, this inheritance to her. Something happened here. Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. He that believes and baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. But these signs shall follow them that believe. Notice who he's talking about. Anyone who believes on the name of Jesus, anyone who believes the gospel, and that's what Philip preached, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils in my name, shall they speak with tongues in my name? Shall they take take up serpents in my name? If they drink anything, deadly thing, it won't harm them. In my name. So they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Notice those five manifestations of the power and authority of the name of Jesus. But more so, this is the power of attorney. This is Jesus delegating to them the uh, right, the authority, the documented right to use his name to transact business for him as they live their lives upon the earth. In other words, I want you to continue my works on the earth and you're going to do it in the power and authority of my name. Some might say, well, really, is that that what that is? Yeah, look at Luke's gospel. If you recall, if you do any kind of study whatsoever, you know, in the gospel of Mark, the last chapter, 16, right on through at the end there, 15 through 20, many will say, well, that's really not in the original manuscripts." But even though 99% of the manuscripts, the old manuscripts about the gospel of Mark include it, many will say, well, it's not for us today. It's not for us today because we question it. This is the devil's attempt to stop people, preachers, from preaching and teaching on the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. And especially, don't talk about the signs and the wonders. In my name, cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, and so on. That's exercise authority over the animal kingdom. But look at Luke's gospel, chapter 10. Look at what it says here. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Even devils are subject to us through thy name. And he said to them, I beheld light. Satan as lightning falls from heaven. Behold, notice this. I give unto you power. This is the power of attorney. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over half Over all the power of the enemy and nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. But notice this, notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice, rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. Do you know what that means? Your name is written in heaven means you are authorized and heaven stands behind you and behind me and behind all of us that when we use the name of Jesus to transact business for him upon the earth, all the government of heaven stands behind Glory. it. You. Do you know there's a statement that Jesus made in Matthew's gospel, chapter 18, verse 20, I believe he said it this way, that where I am, where, in my name there am I in the midst of them, where two or three gather together in my name, in my name, there am I in the midst of them. In my name, there am I. Notice those six words. In my name, there am I. In my name, there am I. I was at a bank one time and I went with my father. This is uh, before he was taken to a nursing home. And he wanted me to make, transact some business for him. But his legs were really sore. And so he sat down in a chair on the one side of the bank and I walked up to the teller and I just said to the teller, I'd like to, you know, do this for my dad. And the fellow looked at me and said, well, I, I'd like to do what you want me to do. He said, but um, do you have the power of attorney? I said, no, I don't have the power of attorney. He said, well, if your dad's not here, well, then if he's not going to authorize me to do it, then I'm sorry, I can't do anything for you. I said, well, he's right back there. He said, well, that's great, but I still, unless he comes over here and tells me he can, I can do it, I can't do anything. So I went over and got my dad, walked him over to the counter, to the teller, and he said, do you authorize your son to transact business for you here? And my dad said yes, and so he proceeded. Well, I walked him back, and he sat down in a chair, and I transacted business for him. That's simple, right? Well, I wised up, and I finally got the power of attorney. And when I got the power of attorney, I walked into the same bank, walked up to the same teller, and said, I'd like to transact this business here for my father. He said, do you have the power of attorney? I said, I do, and it's on record. He said, oh, okay. Well, guess what? That paper, you know what it means? He's not looking at me. He's looking at my dad. Because, you see, that paper says I can trans- transact business for him, and it's just as if he was there and not I was there. When Jesus said, when you mention my name, I Show up when you mention my name. I am there. Oh, what a revelation! It's not you. It's not your holiness. It's not your righteousness or godliness. It's not anything that you have done or have not done. It's an understanding of what what Peter said. His name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. And so, when he used that name. It was Jesus showing up to do the job. Isn't that something? Now, let me show you just how powerful this name is. Look at the book. Of, you know, it's not in your notes there, so you won't find it there. But look at Acts 19 and look at, at verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one. You could say it two ways, Sceva or Siva, A Jew and the chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who in the world are you? Who's saying this? A devil? A demon? Saying what? I know Jesus and I know Paul, but you know what? I really know you and you have no right to use that name. That name means nothing to you and in your lips, it has no power or authority because you're not authorized to use it. And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which use curious arts, brought their books together and burned them all. And they counted and and burned before them all, all men. And they counted the price of them. And founded 50,000 pieces of silver. And that's when 50,000 pieces of silver was a lot of money. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Notice, mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So imagine this. Paul cast out devils. I'm going to go cast out a devil. He does it by the name of Jesus. I'm going to do it by the name of Jesus. I'm going to say, I adjure you in the name of Jesus. Come out just the one Paul preached. Devil says, I know Paul and I know Jesus. But, buddy, you're nothing. You see, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And if they don't know Jesus, they're not authorized to use his name. But you know Jesus and you're authorized to use his name. You should be getting excited about it right now. Because you have a documentation right now authorizing you to use the power of the name of Jesus to transact business for him upon this earth. And so do I. And we should cast out devils, lay hands on the sick. Am I qualified? You're qualified because Jesus qualifies you. You're qualified because you have a covenant with the covenant keeping God who says, I'm giving you the power and authority to use my name. Go into all the world and use my name. Cast out devils and all the things he said that we should do. So Jesus gave us the power of eternity to transact business for him on the earth. And it's just up to us to recognize that. So you see, it's faith in his name. Now, how does faith come? By hearing the word. And so I've listed here three things to, to know about the name of Jesus. And it's found in appalling revelation. There are three ways that Jesus obtained his name. And the first one is by inheritance. Look at in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Verse 1. Whew. I just heard in my spirit speak the name in your situation. Declare the name of Jesus. I proclaim and declare in the name of Jesus, I've got the victory over this. And say it, declare it, proclaim it. In the name of Jesus, I am set free. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, God, who at sundry times, diverse manners, spake in times, passed unto the fathers by the prophets, but hath in his last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed, notice this, heir Of all things. Why would the Son have to be appointed heir of all things? Well, let's read on. By whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. And when He sat down, notice this, being made so much better than the angels as He hath. By inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. Now, there's not time probably to get into all of this, but wow. When Jesus set aside his mighty power and glory and came to the earth and became a man, he operated in the earth as a man under the old covenant. He was anointed by the spirit of God to go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. But he set aside his mighty power and glory. As a matter of fact, in John 17, when he played his high priestly prayer, what did he say? Father, I have glorified you on this earth, completed the work that you've given me to do. Now, give me back the glory that I had when I was with you before I left the glory world behind. What does that tell us? He humbled himself, became a man. He died his death upon the cross. And when he did, we know that he he was separated from his father. And we, we know all that. This is his coronation service. And when Jesus was raised up from the dead and he was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, he inherited a name above every other name. He inherited this name by inheritance. And the angels of God were told once again to do what? Submit to him. To which of the angels did he said at any, any, any time. This is my son whom I've begotten. Let all the angels of God worship him. So you can see he's being restored with the glory that he had before he left the glory world behind. But for some reason, many don't want to see this or acknowledge this because he's Jesus. Yes, but he's Jesus who became the God man. And he left the glory world behind. He gave it all up to come and redeem us. And when God raised him up, he restored it back to him. And that's his coronation. So look at Acts chapter 13, verse 33. God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he had raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. What day did he, the word begotten means procreate. What day did he begotten him, beget him? Resurrection. And in the resurrection, he was restoring to him the rightful glory that he had before he left the glory behind. But now he's achieved a name that's above every other name. Now, that name, he already had that when he was in heaven. But remember, he left heaven, left it all behind. He didn't get that name when he was born in Bethlehem. But as you see here, when he was raised up from the dead in that coronation service, God, the father caused him to inherit this name above every other name and it goes beyond anything we can comprehend but then secondly but first of all let's one more verse look at hebrews 2 and verse 9 let's let's look at this one first because if this doesn't shake us up i don't know what will but we see jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Take a moment and let that sink into our ears. He tasted death for you. He tasted death for me. He tasted death for every man. Every man. And when he finalized redemption... Any man and every man who confesses his name is brought out of death into life. That's what this redemptive work took on his behalf, on his part, on his behalf. He took death upon himself for you and me. He tasted it, tasted it. How many of you know that God is good? How many of you say that God is good? But how many of you know the importance of what the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good? I can say he's good, but have you tasted? Have I tasted? Oh, that meal looks good. Man, that meal looks good. Oh, man, what a wonderful meal. It looks absolutely amazing. Okay, have you tasted it yet? If you haven't tasted it, see the proof of the pudding is in the eating of it. When we were in um, the Philippine Islands and starving, uh, Chuck and I, Brother Chuck and I, we went to this place, a little mall type thing, and we saw all these wonderful flavors of ice cream. And we thought, sustenance, sustenance, sustenance. Man, it looked so good. Absolutely wonderful. And then we tasted it. They don't use the same ingredients that we use. I mean, this is like Brewster's gone bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, you know, and it was like, so what a letdown. So disappointing when we tasted it. Jesus tasted death. I can't even process that in my thinking for every one of us. Why? So we can have this inheritance. He obtained this name. God basically bestowed upon him, but it was by an inheritance. Once he was once again raised from the dead is what he's saying here. After tasting death for every man, that was restored to him. But look at the next one. It was conferred upon him, bestowed upon him, any way you want to say it. Philippians 2. And if you don't have your shouting clothes on, get them ready. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here's the backdrop. There it is right there. He left the glory roll behind. He rode himself in flesh. He set aside his mighty power and glory to become a man, the God man, to be the second Adam upon the earth for the purpose of redeeming man from his fallen state. And then he went and suffered on Calvary the death, even the death of the cross. And because he poured himself out completely unto the end and bore your sin, bore your sickness, carried your pain, your mental anguish, so that by his stripes we are healed God raised him up after the work was done where he took his blood to the high quarter of heaven and obtained eternal redemption for us. Wherefore, wherefore God also has highly exalted him. You see, if you want to get high, you got to go low. He went as low as you could possibly go. And after going as low as he possibly could go, God raised him up from that lowest place and he highly exalted him and had given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things on earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh my goodness, can you imagine this conferral being bestowed upon him? Think about it. He was raised up. He received a name by inheritance and the Father says your name now is above every other name of things or being in heaven, things or beings on earth, things or beings under the earth and let everything and everyone, praise God, bow their knee to the mighty name of Jesus. Everything, every being must bow to the mighty name. Go ahead, praise him. Hallelujah. To the mighty name of Jesus. Glory be to God. What's your situation? What's my situation? There's a name that's above it all. Praise God. There's a name above whatever it is that we're facing. And what's that name? Jesus. Jesus. In the book of Ephesians, no wonder Paul prayed this prayer. Chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. He connected the two. The death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ... And then the exaltation of Christ. Look at what he says here. He prays that our... uh, Pray this prayer for yourself daily. Ask God to do this for you. He prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened to know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness, notice those two words, the exceeding greatness of His power to us, word who believe. According to the working of His mighty power that He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and sent Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places far, everybody say far above. Far above, far above. Far above all principality and power and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things unto the church for the benefit of the church, which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What a prayer. What a mouthful. What did he say? Paul said, Father, open up their eyes so they can see the inheritance that they have in Christ. So they can see that the power that you used to raise him from the dead was the greatest working of your mighty power ever, ever unleashed. In any realm. And when you raised him from the dead. You gave him this name. And you put him in high places. You seat him at your right hand. Far above every other creature or being. And every other name that is named. What is it named? It doesn't matter what it's named. There's a name above it. I said there's a name above it. And what's that name? Jesus. Jesus. He had bestowed upon him. Or conferred upon him. Because of his sacrifice. A name above every name. That at the mention of that name. Every knee must bow every tongue, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Wow. What a, can, you, can you imagine if he took a video of this and we get to see it when we get there in glory? And finally, the third one, he got this name, and this name is by Conquest. Look at the book of Colossians, chapter 2, Conquest. Some men are given a great name. Some men inherit a great name. And some men get a great name because of their achievements, their accomplishments. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. See, it's sometimes difficult for us to relate to this language because, you know, in our Western mentality, we don't understand the Eastern uh, practices. But when King David, when you see when he won the victory over Goliath, what did he do with his head? cut it off, and what did he do with it? Brought in a, probably carried it right on a charger or just brought it into uh, Jerusalem and just paraded it about for everyone to see. Is that who you believed in? Is that who you trusted in? Look at this. Look at this. Oh, my brother and my sister, I cannot wait for that day when you and I are able to fasten our eyes if God gives us this privilege and see how, that's see, that's a triumphant march where the king is victorious. Can you imagine Jesus defeating the devil for us in front of all of his cohorts, all those that sided with him. And he said to them, This is who you trusted in? I want you to know something. He's done. He's dethroned. He's defeated. He has no power. He's no longer who he blow, blows to be or calls out to be. There's no more him in control of anyone's life. You follow him, he's defeated. Jesus, by his conquest over all the powers of darkness, was exalted to a place where he was given a name above every other name. Look in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. And if this doesn't make you shout, it should. Well, verse 12 talks about us, we have an inheritance he, he made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Notice this, who has delivered us from the power, from the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his, their son. So you know what this means? One day you and I at one time were under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. We had no way of escape. We had no way to get out. He had his thumb of authority over our lives, and death was ruling over our lives, and we were on our way with a crash course all the way into eternal darkness in the lake of fire. Every single one of us in this facility, that's where we were at. But when Jesus was raised up from the dead, he defeated the devil in his bunch. He took his blood to the high court of heaven. He obtained redemption for us, and then he came back and said, here's your choice. Take your pick. You could believe the gospel and be saved or not believe the gospel and be damned. It's up to you. You make your choice. You make your decision. But let me tell you this. If you want me, you call upon me, I will get a hold of you. I will grab you. I will pull you up out of the miry clay. I'll remove remove you from the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to put you in my kingdom where I'm your Lord and you serve me. And I'm going to leave you on the earth. But when I leave you on the earth... When I leave you on the earth, I'm not leaving you helpless. I'm going to give you the power and authority of my name to use this power of attorney and transact business for me upon the earth and wherever you go, cast out devils. Yeah. Speak with new tongues. Take up serpents. E- exercise dominion over the animal kingdom. Glory to God. I have this here for you in uh, look at 1 Corinthians 2, 6, in Moffat translation. A letter part of the verse that says, that they are the dethroned powers of darkness. Dethroned. Sometimes, especially years ago when I first came and started preaching this message, and I got looked at sideways and all that because I preached this message. Um, you say things like this and people look at you because it's like, a, like a, a new revelation. It's not a new revelation. It's just a revelation in a word that people just never got a hold of. Okay? And lost sight of it or whatever. Jesus has given us the power of attorney to transact business for Him as we sojourn here upon the earth. We have this documentation. We have this authorization. We are the only ones on the planet that are authorized to use His name. You saw the ones that tried to do it got beat up by the devil. But when you know it, you beat up the devil, you enforce the devil's defeat. Jesus defeated him. But you know what? He's in heaven. We're on earth. He says, I'm giving you the right to use my name. In my name, you cast out those devils. This is so powerful that I have to read it to you from this book. And if you don't have it, I encourage you to get it called Like a Mighty Wind. Okay. And this is the Indonesian revival that took place in the latter part of the 60s and early 70s. To show you the power of this name. To show you how in our country, we don't see all this. And as a result, we don't get this deep revelation. But I, I have to read it thoroughly, if you don't mind. you have two more minutes I can have? Yeah. Thanks. The Age of Miracles. God performed many miracles through our teams. Proving that he just is just as powerful today as he was in the first century. I remember how one of the teams went to a village to preach the gospel. The pagan priest said, Hmm, you can preach to us about Jesus, but we want to tell you, we have known the devil for many generations. If we want healing, the devil gives it. If we want rain, the devil gives it. Whatever we want, the devil supplies. We have our own Bible too. And our gods supply all our needs according to their riches. Of course, they don't have a real Bible like ours, but they have recorded manual Experiences and evil manifestations, and that and they worship by these. If you tell us about this new God, let him prove that he is more powerful than our gods, the priest told the team. The team didn't know what to do, so they prayed together and asked the Lord for help. The Lord said to them, Key words, the Lord said to them, Tell those people if they want to know your God, if they want your God to prove himself to them that he is more powerful than their gods or demons. Let them gather together and I will prove myself. Then the team said to the head priest, the pagan priest, gather all your people and tell them to come and we will see what happens. The pagan priest was excited. He wanted to see if the Christian God could prove himself. They came together, about a thousand of them, when the head pagan priest in the front, the, the team stood across from them. The team members just lifted up their hands and said, God, you said to us to go and preach the gospel. You said that many signs shall follow those that believe. That in your name they shall cast out devils. God, these people here want you to prove yourself that you're more powerful than their devils. Now in the name of Jesus, we bind and cast out all demonic power that has ruled these villages and people for many generations. Because of Christ's blood shed on Calvary, we command them to leave in the name of Jesus. After the simple prayer, they said, Amen. And looked at one another and let God do his job. It's simple, you know, that this Christian life, if the Christian, if the Christian life were complicated, we in the heathen country could never have become Christians. When the Bible says something, we just take it as it is. We believe it. Rest. We smile and let God do the job. Praise Jesus for the simplicity of the gospel. Our gospel is often fooled around with. When we read Mark 16, we begin to question why we don't find it in some of the manuscripts. So we begin to dig a hole here and dig a hole there for God's word. We study it 10 years and say, oh, in this manuscript, we have it. In this manuscript, we don't. So we must ponder and think it over before we make any decision. We in Indonesia are not smart enough to do that. The missionaries brought us the black book and told us that the whole Bible was the Word of God, and we were to believe it. So we believed it. And if we were stupid to do so, God used even our stupidity for His glory, for his, pow- for by His power, He proved to us that His word is true. I praise God that no matter what the scholars of America might say about some verse, we in Indonesia have experienced all the things in Mark 16 by the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God who said, Many will say to me, Have we not prophesied? and so on. Well, here's what happened. Soon the head pagan priest began to tremble, then he began to cry. And then he said, brothers, sisters, I want your God, Jesus, right now. Soon, that's what he declared. It was such a quick transformation that the team members didn't know what to say. Why did you change your mind, sir? One of them finally asked. Oh, Jesus is more powerful than the devils, he replied. How do you know that? One of the team members asked. I'm a pagan priest, he replied. I have talked with the devils. I know many of them by name. Then he started to cry and Could not control himself. What's the matter? We don't know what's going on. Someone in the team said. Yes, yes, I know. The pagan priest replied. But when you prayed in the name of Jesus. And you bound all the demonic power here. And commanded them to flee. Do you know what happened? No, the team said, tell us. I'll tell you, the priest said. I saw with my own eyes. I heard with my own ears. All the demonic power that has ruled this village. They gathered together one by one from the biggest to the smallest and they ran away crying, Jesus won't permit us to stay here. We must go because Jesus wants these people. Jesus must be tremendous, a tremendous God. I want to know Jesus. Hallelujah. So the team member just replied, If you want Jesus, we want to show you the way. He opened up the Bible. And very simply showed him how to accept Christ as his personal Savior. He did it right away. And all the people got saved. Can you imagine? Imagine that. Wow. Watching every demon. Oftentimes we'll just say, devil, pack your bags and leave. And that's exactly what they did packed their bags, and they left. They were gone. Why? The name of Jesus was mentioned. That's why. Now, in conclusion, I want us to read Matthew 28, because here we have our power of attorney once again declared. The 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. did you ever read that? Have you ever really focused on that verse? You're looking at the resurrected Christ. You've seen him. He's come back. You've seen him raise from the dead, and they still doubted. Some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power. Everybody say it with me, All power. power. Say it again, "All All power. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Hallelujah. All power. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you all way even unto the end of the world. Notice the all's. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye into all the world. Hallelujah. Preach the gospel to every creature. All power, all authority, it all belongs to Him. See, it all belongs to Him. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. We've just been given the right to use His name to transact business for Him upon this earth. It belongs to Him, but we could tap into it by using His name. And when people say, in the name of Jesus, you know what? If you're going to be honest with me this morning, I'm going to be honest. Well, i will be honest. Haven't you oftentimes said a prayer like, "Lord, bless our food. Thank you in Jesus' name." Come on, come on. Have you ever, ever done that? And you just use that name almost like a rabbit's foot, like a good luck chomp. Name Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know what God want, You know what Jesus wants us to do. Stop and think about what you heard today. Meditate upon what you heard today. Let us let these revelational truths sink into our ears. And let us recognize, praise God, whenever we face whatever opposition it might be, that we have been given a name. We have inherited a name above every other name. So when you mention that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, whatever it is. It could be a sickness. It could be a disease. It could be a situation. It could be a mountain of adversity. No matter what it is, when you utter that name, He wants us to utter it with an understanding of the force, the authority, the government that stands behind it. But what power, Peter, did you do such a thing? He says, if you really want to know. Imagine that to the Jewish people there. You really want to know? Yeah, we're begging to know. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified by his name, does this man stand whole? Let's all stand together.